This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hi, I'm Deep John Literal, who cannot go one sucking minute without fucking saying a naughty word. And I and sometimes write for THN. You are listening to the Two Headed Nerd Comic Podcast with Joe and Matt. Fucking D bag Before we start, a cheers. Chin chin. Ah! <laughs> Welcome to episode 93 oh God, uh, of THN. We're talking comics and nerd news <laughs> for the week of Wednesday, November 5th. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the first Hanukkah <laughs> drunk show. Oh. And we've just cheers with a little shot of really spicy tequila. Jesus. Where did that come from? It's in a bottle shaped like a skull. It's got a skull head with stuff painted on it. This is great. My name is Matt Baum, at Matt Baum, seen on the Twitter. And when I'm not lighting the menorah and sipping Manischewitz, I'm appraising comics and writing the Comic Speculator blog for WorkPoint.com. I'm sorry, Mom. Uh, I'm Joe Patrick, at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter, and I am very tipsy. <laughs> and when I'm not spinning the dreidel and kissing the person that points at, I'm the artist of Good Plus and the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. This week, you'll hear reviews of Hellboy in Hell and the legend of Luther Strode. Jesus After that, Christ. we'll review ten more comics. Faster than famous Jewish stuntman Super Dave Osborne can break his back during a motorcycle stunt gone wrong in the ludicrous speed round. After that, we'll pay a visit to the Teen Gen Sanctum Sanctorum, where a very special to fill the fish dinner will help us learn the secrets of next week's comics. And finally, we'll tell you all about some superheroes you may not have known are Jewish during Ask a Nerd. Of course, we're going to be reading your answers to the question of weeks, but not necessarily in that order. Before we get to all the Foltzhan and Chara, let's take a moment to wish all good heaves of bitchin' Chanaka, and then we'll talk about this week's big news! It's time to get serious. Focus. It's the end of an era at DC Comics. Karen Berger, executive editor and senior vice president of DC Entertainment's Vertigo Imprint, has stepped down from her position after more than 30 years with the company. Deep breaths. <laughs> This is how our friendship has progressed. <laughs> Berger started as an assistant to Paul Levitz in the late 70s, rose in the editorial ranks, and was instrumental in bringing Alan Moore's Swamp Thing and Neil Gaiman's Sandman to publication before the formation of the Vertigo imprint in 1993. The good news is they don't need her anymore. Right. <laughs> Vertigo. <laughs> we got this, Karen. Yeah. Everything is firmly under control at DC. <laughs> Vertigo changed the face of comics, bringing classic titles like Preacher, Why the Last Man, Fables, and 100 Bullets to Life. Berger's departure is a huge blow to the imprint, which has been hit hard by the recent upheavals at DC. The Vertig- <laughs> We have an empty bottle of Manischewitz right here in front of us. The Vertigo line as a whole has shrank. The terms of creator contracts have been changed, not necessarily for the better, and DC proper has been has strip-mined Vertigo for many of its most popular properties, most recently Hellblazer. Boo. While Berger says that she is simply looking for a professional change, it's hard not to think that her departure is connected. Berger will stay on at DC until March of next year to help with the transition to the new editorial team. When the news broke, fans and professionals flooded Facebook and Twitter with an outpouring of well wishes and gratitude. Wherever Berger ends up next, the entire comics industry will be watching. If she's smart, she gets out altogether. She and she deserves it. She's good enough. To, I mean, like what she's done at Vertigo, which at the time that Vertigo was launched, 
Nobody was doing anything like that. And it was the ballsiest move DC could have made to start publishing really adult, excellent comic properties. Like like we named Preacher, 100 Bullets, Hellblazer. Um, this was amazing stuff that Marvel wouldn't have dreamed of touching at the time. And I hate to see her go. And I'm afraid this is the first warning bell to signal the end of Vertigo. Yeah, people are kind of talking like Vertigo is dying which might be true, it might not be true. Berger really did change comics. Yeah. Her work changed comics forever. Absolutely. And if it wasn't for her, I think it's very safe to say that stuff like Why the Last Man would never have saw print. And if it goes if Vertigo does go away, we lose something. And it's not just losing a title of an imprint. It's still it serves a purpose. It's it still serves important. it serves a purpose that's still important. With the loss of Berger, I think that that is in question. Yeah, and I am very concerned with Vertigo as a as an imprint itself. And if Vertigo goes away, DC man, yeah, they need to knock that shit off. I'll tell you what. And there were all kinds of weird meetings this week and stuff. I think that ship's in trouble. Period. Well, you know, I think they made a point to be like, no, don't worry, there are no layoffs. Yeah, it's another bad sign in what looks like a very bad time for DC right now. Agreed. So. Drew Hayes isn't necessarily a household name among comic fans, but he was one of the most prolific independent creators of the 1990s. Hayes counted legendary indie creators Terry Moore, Jeff Smith, and young Brian Michael Bendis among his contemporaries. Over the course of 13 years and over 100 issues and tie-ins, Hayes wrote and illustrated a series called Poison Elves, which was primarily published by Sirius Entertainment. Ongoing health problems prevented Hayes from working on the series, which last saw print in 2004, and the artist passed away March 21st of 2007. Now, six years after the creator's death, Poison Elves is making a comeback courtesy of Ape Entertainment in a new series written by Rob Horan, founder of the title's original publisher. As part of this THN exclusive, Joe and I sat down with Ape CEO David Hedgecock to get all the details. David, thanks for being on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. So Poison Elves is coming back. It's been six years now. What brought about this revival? Well, long story short, I was a huge, massive fan of Poison Elves back in the day, back in the 90s when Drew was creating the book and in the 2000s and story. Oh when I was Here we go. Yeah, yeah, here we go. When I was just getting into college, one of the things that really you know affected me and kept me in comics there's a couple things. One one was Rob Liefeld's work on <laughs> But we won't go into detail on that. I was right that. there with you. Yeah. Hey, Just we were ahead. all there, uh, man. Don't be embarrassed. Let it out. Uh, no, I'm not embarrassed, actually. <laughs> I, I celebrate that. Um, so did you contact Rob Horan, or did he contact so, you about Yeah, I sought it out a little bit, but yeah, a lot of it kind of just... Sort of, sort of fell in place. Our um, diamond rep a couple years ago was a guy named Keith Davidson who moved on to Avatar and, and, and did some other stuff. Unbeknownst to me, he worked for Serious Entertainment and specifically on Poison Elf stuff. In fact, he wrote some of the Poison Elf spinoff series ah. books. New York Comic Con a couple years ago, uh, Keith introduced me to Rob Rand, who is the CEO of Serious Entertainment, and, and, and that company is, is no longer around. So I spoke with Rob, and, and I said, look, I, I'm very interested uh, in trying to do something with Poison Elves. And my, my feeling is that there is un, unfinished business. I'd like to help finish it. Yeah, because and, for those who don't know, it just stopped. I mean, it basically yeah, stopped. Yeah, it just stopped. And it was right in the middle. It was just about to get into this huge, massive storyline that was going to, you know, be this troll elven war, this human contingent as well. And, and uh, it was just getting big. The scale was just about to go off the hook. 
So is this going to pick up stopped. right where it left off then? Is this going to start there? Yeah. So what we're doing, I mean, I mean, the initial conversations were, should we do this? You know, is this something that we should do? And and we came to the, the conclusion that it, it actually is. I mean, Drew actually left a ton of material behind, notes on how to finish the series and things like that. Oh, wow. Um, we came to the conclusion that, yeah, it's something we should do. And, and then it was just a matter of how fast can we do it, you know, and make sure it's good. So issue 79 was sent for all intents and purposes the last issue. This will be issue 80. This is this is the next book. Uh, we do a, we do our level best to make sure that it's something that anybody can pick up and look at. Cool. And that new readers and old readers, you know, it hasn't been around for a while, so we need to remind the old readers, too, what's sure. going on. Right. But, yeah, yeah, we're picking the story up, and we're going to run with it, and we're going to finish the book. The, the way that we think that Drew would have wanted it. That is awesome. So this is an ongoing series, but it's got kind of a an end think of it, point. Yeah, think of it like you know I- I- any decent Vertigo like book. Like you know, why creature. the last man there's, there's, had his natural yeah, conclusion. There's, a, there's right. a definite conclusion. There's a definite ending, and we know what it is. Do you have the rights yeah. to the old to the reprinting the old stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're gonna and we're gonna reprint. Uh, are you familiar with those, you know, the, uh, Terry Moore did these pocket books. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this. Paradise. Yeah. They were big, thick, digest-sized books, and it was just like this massive tome of, you know, reading at a really super cheap, super cheap. Sort of like the Dark Horse uh, Omnibus and stuff. Yep, exactly. Right. We're going to do the same thing. Very cool. That's thing. awesome. That's- so you've got a, a new artist on the book. Nickname is Montos. <laughs> yeah, just Montos. Tell short. us about Montos. Montos is uh, another one of the ape finds. The last the last couple of years, we've been uh, the company has been lucky to be associated with the nomination of of a couple of the Russ Manning Award nominees. Excellent. Uh, last year, Martin Kokolo was our guy on a book called El Dorado, and he was nominated for. Yeah, our, we reviewed uh, El Dorado. Did he? Oh, you did. Yeah, we did. Did he not also do uh, Magic: The Gathering? Yeah, yeah. Martin's working on Magic: The Gathering now. Yes. Um, and doing some cool stuff over there. Long story short, uh, Montos will be the guy that's nominated this year. Oh, fair enough. For Rod, Rod yes. I, I, I'm, I'm feeling really good about this guy. He's, uh, he lives in Cuba, uh, which makes... He lives uh, in Cuba? Yeah, which makes the work really interesting. We have to <laughs> kind of uh, do things um, not because of anything on the U.S. side, but on the Cuba side, we, right. have, to, we have to find creative ways to contact and, and work together. But um, wow. we got it all worked out. But it's uh, it's an interesting uh, collaboration. But to give you an idea, of the you got people that go to your website can see the artwork, but people listening, if you're familiar with, like, Alfredo Alcala mm-hmm. or um, any of those old Savage Sword of Conan, you know, magazine-type books, sure. that, that kind of... That's kind of what Montos is bringing, I feel. And, yeah. and he's just doing an amazing I, job. I totally agree. I, I looked at all the art you sent, and it will be, at the time everybody hears this, it's on the site, and it is gorgeous. There's a the That cover he did to number one is really great, and there's a pinup of the main character, Lucifer, that I really enjoyed. And his, his style is very interesting. I, I agree the, the Alfredo Alcala... Uh, comparison, it, it totally fits. So when, when can we expect issue number one? Uh, issue one will be in stores on March 20th of 2013, and you can order it, and please order it. It's in Diamond in right now, right? It's in the no, Diamond. next month. Oh, well, next month. No, it's in, the, it's in the January issue of Preview, okay. so it'll be on. That, that previous issue will be out uh, right after Christmas, right? Yeah, yep. End, so, of, end, of, end of this month, it'll be in stores. 
the the previous catalog. <laughs> I think this is just a really yeah. cool story because there were so many different there were so many different series from the '90s that sprung up. It was a different time when there was lots of comics being printed and way more chances being taken, and a lot of them just went away and and didn't finish. And this is a really cool story about a guy like you who had a personal stake in it and who has a very cool company that's up and coming finishing the job and I, I think it's just great i really do david congratulations on this thanks thanks yeah i you know this one is coming straight from the heart it's it's something it's a personal project it's not a licensed property the way you know say kung fu panda is which you know i loved in that book but this one's different and, and I'm, I'm i'm really hoping that people will give it a shot we're all coming at this uh with our hearts uh and and uh in our hands you know offering it up David, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. All right, take care. Yeah. That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we've missed, head over to TwoHeadedNerd.com where you can not only hear the entire interview that we recorded with David Hedgecock, and we promise it's worth a listen, seeing as we're not real journalists and don't even know the meaning of the term off the record. So tune in if you want to hear David talking all kinds of smack about currently working comic book professionals. Looks like you picked the wrong show to talk to, buddy. Not really, Dave. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Matt Baum fed me tequila in a glass shaped like a horn that says Hornitos on it. It's a type of tequila. I get it. Hornitos. How do you put these in your cabinet? Got to like this. Face down. Yeah, upside down. Genius. Each week, my Chaver Chavtov Piotr, Joe Patrick, Whoa. posts the question of the week on Facebook and Twitter. And then we read your responses on the show. This week's question was, what is your favorite independent comic? Yeah. Independent meaning creator-owned, not Marvel, not DC. We acknowledged on Facebook that there are exceptions within DC, especially Vertigo. Sure. And, um, creator-owned. That's what we need to know. And Icon at Marvel. But for the purposes of this exercise, we left them off. As always, we start with Twitter. We have a tweet from Chris Davis. Who says that his favorite independent comic of all time is Welcome to Tranquility by Gail Simone. Sorry, Wildstorm. Yeah. I, no, but Gail We owned can it. probably count it. Gail owned it. We can probably count it. it Gail was, Simone is my favorite writer. Creator owned. And Welcome to Tranquility was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. And she writes characters so well, I forget they're not real. That's creepy. She's really good at what she does. Creepy. I love her. Sorry, I love Chris. Her. That's creepy. I wish she would go back to Suicide Squad. <laughs> See, yeah. I don't know why I'm whispering. I don't know either. <laughs> Chris Beckman wrote in saying, Cerebus. Agreed. I, I cried when Jaka gave him his sword. I, I don't too. understand I that, that that reference. I understand. I, it. I don't it was understand. Wonderful. I haven't I read Cerebus. Cerebus. Oh, oh, sorry. Loved it. It got really hard to read towards the end. I haven't. Dave uh, Sim was losing his mind, but I loved it. Nod underscore hero writes in, easy one. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was an awesome comic world back before it got quote unquote archied. Yes. A close second. Totally agree. A close second would be The Tick. If there had never been TMNT, there would never have been the Palladium TMNT role-playing game. Fair enough. Which my friends and I played the hell out of. Nice. That is a great answer. I played that game, too. I had an echidna. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Chisholm, who is at Scottish Dad on Twitter, hey. says, 8-Ball, Daniel Klaus's 8-Ball. Read it Scottish. Read it Scottish. 
You're wasted. Eight the ball. Eight ball. <laughs> Is that a caveman? Go eight ball. Eight ball. It'll squeeze out. The first true indie I ever read. <laughs> Not so much about the quality, but it reminds me of easy days at university. Nice. I love eight ball, by the way. It's wonderful stuff. Good answers so far. We'll move on to Facebook a little later in the show. But now, it's review time at THN where Joe and I rush to the Hanukkah push early Wednesday morning to see what two new comics Hanukkah Harry has left for us to review. Joe Patrick, before you finish that drink, I was going to chin-chin you. Give it all to me. And that is one empty bottle of Concord Grape Manischewitz, ladies and gentlemen. Chin-chin. Chin-chin. Mazeltov. Joe Patrick, tell us about The Legend of Luther Strode, number one. Oh, God, I regret my life choices. <laughs> the Legend of Luther Strode, number one from Image Comics, written by Justin Jordan, with art by Trad Moore, colors by Philippe Sobrero. Here's your solicit. Luther Strode lives. Five years after losing everything, Luther has become more than a nightmare for the evil men in his city. He has become a legend. But somebody is hunting the boogeyman, and he has dangerous allies that Luther will never expect. Luther Strode lives, but for how long? Hey-o. 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 Long-time listeners will recall that Matt and I fell over backwards in love with the original Luther Strode series last year. This is the first issue to the long-awaited sequel, and it was absolutely worth the wait. This issue didn't waste any time at all getting right back into the glorious ultraviolence. <laughs> yeah. That page, made, <laughs> page two. <laughs> that made the first series such a fun, fun thrill ride. Everyone reading this book should know very well that nothing these mooks do will put a scratch on Luther. But the fun is watching them try. And then, just when you think that you know where the series is going, Justin Jordan reveals a genuinely shocking twist that makes you realize that Luther is in a lot more danger than you thought. This script from Jordan is great. There's a wit and spark here that sadly has not been present in his DC work. Nah, it really hasn't. The most amazing part, though, is that Luther doesn't say a word, not one word, throughout the entire issue. Which speaks volumes as to where the character is now and what he's been through. Yeah, because when we first met Luther Strode, he was a kid, and it was pretty lighthearted. Yeah, high school kid, yeah. Yeah, like the the book was full of kind of jokes, and it was kind of funny, and he had a girl that he was nervous about making out with and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And as the story went on... Yeah, things got bad. <laughs> like, all of that changed, and the tone here is very... Very different from the first book. Totally. Like, terrifyingly different. Very dark. (laughs) Tradmore's art is just simply stunning. I love him. It's like a combination of the best parts of Ryan Otley and Sean Murphy. I would throw Michael Avon Omega in there. Because he has kind of a cartoony style. It's cartoony, but so is Ryan Otley. But it totally works. It completely works here. His storytelling is dynamic and fluid. His characters leap from the pages. The book is just gorgeous. And that's thanks in no small part to the colors by Philippe Sobrero. Yeah. Which bring very just nice job. vibrant life to every page. And I got to say, there's guys like we've been talking about Juan Jose Rip a lot recently because he's really coming up. He's one of those guys that draws very realistic gore, whereas Trad Moore draws cartoon gore it is cartoon gore yeah ridiculous like i mean there's a scene on the second page where luther strode basically reaches through a door grabs the guy's head and just 
pops it like a grape. He doesn't even reach through and grab it. He just punches through the door <laughs> yeah, through. and through the head. Yeah, oh, that's true. Exploding right. it like a balloon. Yeah. And it's just, it's laugh out loud fun, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not gross. It is cartoony and ridiculous and great. Uh, this this was just an absolutely worthy addition to the ongoing Luther Strode saga, and I'm so glad these guys were able to continue their story. This issue is a steal at 350 yeah. for a great story and a ton of added content. I can't recommend it highly enough. I'm giving it a big old buy it. Yeah, I loved it as well. Honestly, while I listened to this, all I could think of was I wish Ghost Rider was handled like this. I wish Ghost Rider at Marvel was the same force of nature that show up and when he left, there was just gore dripping from the ceiling and walls. You know, like, it just awful. This was like a mixture of Hellraiser meets the Punisher. You know, I mean, this was fantastic, and I really liked how they drew Luther Strode in this one. That you never really got a good look at him, and when he was there, he was this fuzzy silhouette. With like the awful white face and yeah. empty eyes yeah. and blood pouring from his hands. Like he was not the same character from the first one. This was gross, fun, really well written, very original. I I loved it. I'm giving it a huge buy it. Go out and pick up the first trade paperback, The Strange Talents of Luther Strode, and then pick this book up. You can't go wrong here. Really right. fun stuff. You cannot go wrong. Stop doing that with your microphone, drunk guy. <laughs> I hold my booze a lot better than this guy. Listen, I started drinking way before you. My pick was Hellboy in Hell, number one. Matt Mom, tell the kids what you read this week. <laughs> I read Hellboy in Hell, number one from Dark Horse, written and drawn by Mike McNola with colors by the amazing and unstoppable Dave Stewart. Here's your solicit. After saving the world in the storm and the fury, but sacrificing himself and Great Britain, Hellboy is dead, cast into hell, where he finds many familiar faces and a throne that awaits him. Mike McNola returns to draw Hellboy's ongoing story for the first time since Conqueror Worm. It's a story only McNola could tell, as more Hellboy secrets are at last revealed in the most bizarre depiction of hell you've ever seen. And they're not lying. <laughs> it was no secret that Hellboy's death was not going to be the end of this story. And here we are a year later witnessing Hellboy's descent into hell. Sort of. In typical Magnola fashion, this looks to be the beginning of another huge Hellboy epic. We see Hellboy on the edge of hell, a place that's called the Abyss, on the very edge of hell, where he meets a very familiar spirit, Sir Edward, who was the guy that wore the cloak that he met in the storm. The Fury? was like a naked ghost. No, he met him in the storm first. You're talking about the Fury? He met him in the storm first. Listen, I'm going to be real for a second. Okay. I have a really hard time remembering what happened. It's been a while. From series to series in Hellboy. And I'm going to get into that. I'm going to get into that just a minute here. But I don't care. I don't care either, but I'll get into that just a minute here. Mignola is far and away my favorite horror artist, and here he's just in perfect form drawing panels including these terrifying-looking giant tentacle-faced crawdads <laughs> in the abyss. <laughs> that was awesome. They were horrible. And a mono-e-hammer rematch <laughs> with the demon with horns for eyes that Hellboy threw off a bridge into the pit that was in the Fury. Oh, man. 
And, of course, there's plenty of whispering statues and skeletons, which is just my favorite part of any Mignola book. Whenever they, like, cut to a scene of a frog that's saying, like, very quietly, be careful. <laughs> you know, or like a bird whispering something or a broken statue that's like weeping. <laughs> you know, I love that crap. This is Mignola at his creepiest. He's packing every panel with Latin spells, ancient occult symbols, and plain old scary demons with fire spouting from every hole of their body. Gross. Yes. <laughs> Mike Mignola has created an amazing world with Hellboy and the BPRD and honestly if I have one complaint it's that Hellboy has been too far removed from BPRD continuity for too long you know I I, I swear I remember them announcing that Hellboy was going back to the BPRD they did they totally and then it, it never happened it, right no it turned out to be a flashback Bah. It turned out to be a flashback story. Bah. Yeah, and so I don't know if that was a miscommunication with like Dark Horse and the internet or whatever, but that turned out to be a flashback story about Liz Sherman when she like first joined the BPRD. It was a great story, don't get me wrong, but I'm ready for Hellboy to come back. I'm ready for him to return to the BPRD. Me too. I want to see him fighting the what's going like the demons and devils that are affecting the you know the world right now. I love this character, and I'm completely on board for this new story, but I really <laughs> needed to bring Hellboy back to the BPRD, still giving us a huge buy it. I loved it as well, and I'm sorry, I have no idea what happened in this issue because I read it days ago. It was weird as hell. And I am very impaired. It was completely psychedelic. <laughs> but- it was... Tons of fun, though. Well, I tell you what, I won't spoil it, but I really loved. There was like a recap page. It's like here's what happened to Hellboy. Yeah, and then there's a page turn, and then something very awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I won't say what, but I loved it. And of course, the art was really great. And I will, I'm, I will say, Mignola, <laughs> in the past few years, and this is coming from a guy that has Mike Mignola artwork tattooed on his body. It's true. I think he's gotten not. I don't want to use the word lazy, but I think he stripped his art down a little too much for a while there. This issue feels like a return to the Mike Mignola that I fell in love with. No, oh, I don't know. I mean, I think... It's still stripped down. I but think it's it's a natural progression of where his art has come right. from. And I'm not... I'm, I'm just saying I liked it better, I think, when he was a little more detailed. He got a little too loose for he a while there. He was never that detailed. I'm no, sorry to break it No, but it was a different kind of detail is what he was doing. I mean, I'm not saying like he was Arthur Adams. Sure, sure. By no means. But there was more detail and depth to his art, and he kind of got to this very two-dimensional place. I'm glad to see him... <laughs> returning to what I loved about his art. Not that I ever stopped loving him. This is a great issue. I think he meant Ansel Adams. Casey Baum has walked yeah. into the ziggurat. You can come back in a she... He meant Ansel Adams. No, I didn't mean Ansel Adams. That, like, that's the dude, right? No, Ansel Adams is a photographer. Arthur Adams is a comic book artist. Whatever. <laughs> Thank you, Casey, for that insight. That's great stuff. This is a really great issue. It's beautifully drawn. It's been too long since the last Hellboy proper series. I'm so glad to see it back. As much as I love BPRD, there's just something about having a Hellboy book yeah. that I love, and I can't get enough of but it. But I also like that they limit it. I like that we don't just have an ongoing series. Sure, sure. I like that we get a, a miniseries here and there. It makes it feel more important. But, you know, we talked about this when The Fury came out. I am totally okay with an uh, an ongoing Hellboy series by somebody handpicked by Mignola like Duncan Fagredo. Not me. 
Okay. I want Mike Mignola to control it. I don't want anyone else doing it. Well, he's still controlling it. I he's know, just not I mean, drawing I, it. I want him, not necessarily drawing, but I want him at the helm, writing or drawing or whatever. Fair enough. There. Fair enough. Regardless, this is really good and and a return to everything we loved about Hellboy. It's a huge buy for me as well, obviously. Hellboy fans, check it out. Even if you're new to Hellboy, check it out because the recap page Sums just it up. tells you everything you need to know. Every single thing you need to know. You don't need to know the last 10 years of history. Just jump on and do it. It's amazing. Huge buy it. So that's a double buy it for The Legend of Luther Strode and a double buy it for Hellboy in Hell. I think all this booze has us in a very good mood. Feeling good. Of course, we want to know what you denizens of the abyss and engines of mutilation thought of these comics. So let us know over at the comments section for this episode on TwoHeadedNerd.com. Pause the recording. I have to pee. Ding, ding. Are we going to do it in the air? Yeah. Chin, chin. Four shots. Read it! Ah! Read it in pain, sucker. It's the first day of Chanukah. And that means it's time for the annual Ziggurat Chanukah party, where this year we're joined by the love slaves and our good friend Sabra, the Scarlet Witch, and that dreidel-treating bastard Quicksilver, who has challenged Matt, quote, the Hebrew hand grenade bomb. That's my boxing name. And threatened to smash his Manischewitz chugging record. Good luck, sucker. Yeah, good luck. We cashed that bottle. (laughs) So let's settle this with the THN beer bong and a couple bottles of Concord Great Manischewitz, all while reviewing 10 comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed, go! House of Fun, one shot from Dark Horse. I'm not ready. Uh, this is an issue of Evan Dorkin content, House of um, Milk and Cheese, Eltingville Club, Murder Family, and a lot of one, one-off like uh, comic strips. I love the Murder Family. And as much, I love Milk and Cheese. Like I don't love much as much as I love Evan Dork. I love Milk and Dork. And I'm so happy to see this. This was reprinted from Dark Horse Presents, but as we've said many times, if you're not reading Dark Horse Presents, it's new to you. I read Dark Horse. Presents. I'm giving it a huge buy it because having it all contained in one book is absolutely worth it to me. Buy it, buy it, buy it. The Red Ten, number one from Comics Tribe. The Red Ten is coming soon. It's not out yet. They were nice enough to send me a PDF of this issue. And you know what? I like it. Lucky. I didn't get, a, I didn't get no it. PDF. Murder mystery focusing on the death of a hero. Sort of a Batman analog named Red. She was killed by her arch nemesis, Oxymoron, who is very much a joker. It's a fun setup here, and it was really well written. The art is good. Obviously, it's a developing artist, so I'm not going to bag on him. But he did a good job. When this comes out, I'm kidding. Pick it up. The Red kidding. 10, number one, Comics Tribe. Go to your comic book store. Tell your retailer to order it. Buy it. I read the preview. Joe Patrick. I read the preview. It looked awesome. It was pretty good. Detective Comics, number 15 from DC. This is the third issue of John Layman's, uh, not Chew, John Layman's Detective Comics. And I love it. I love this book. I love John Layman. Batman's actually doing detective work. Yeah. It's, which is something we never fun. see. It's got great art by Jason Fabok. Uh, it is labeled a Death of the Family tie-in. As a Death of the Family tie-in, it is almost worthless. But as a comic issue, it's amazing. And everyone should be reading this book. Batman, Batman and Robin, and now Detective Comics. Can't miss. I'm giving it a huge buy it. Star Wars Purge, the Tyrant's Fist number one from Dark Horse. 
This is the story. This is another in the Purge series where we see Darth Vader actually killing the Jedi's. Not a pretty boy in a sweatshirt killing the Jedi's, but Darth Vader in scary Darth Vader armor, acting like super scary Darth Vader. I read every single line in this book as James Earl Jones. Yes, I did too, and that's because writer Eric Freed did an amazing job here. This was so good. I was this really is good. This story we were cheated out of in episode three. I really, really enjoyed this. Huge buy it. Likewise. Human Bomb, number one, from DC! This is the latest in the line of Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiotti kind of bringing back Freedom Fighters characters. Uh, yeah, they the, love the Freedom Fighters. They did Phantom Lady in the new 52. I didn't care for they it. They did the Freedom Fighters in the old 52. In the old 52. <laughs> uh, this is the Human Bomb, and I have to say I kind of liked it. It's weird. It's got a lot going on. Weird conspiracy stuff. Shady government agencies. Fair enough. There's a very odd scene that I can't quite put into words because I'm hammered. <laughs> uh, where somebody keeps talking about putting them on the cubes. I didn't quite get it. What? It's a whole thing. You'll know it when you look at it. But overall, I liked it a lot. Great art by Jerry Ordway, who I love. I do like him as an artist. I'm giving it a, a buy it because it was fun. All right. Uh, Black Acre number... <laughs> <laughs> Guess who holds their booze better than Joe Patrick? Black Acre number one from Image. Like, that's a surprise. You're a drug addict. Well, I had a drunk. Let's not forget that. This is a tough one to tackle at very quick speed because it's a huge story. It takes place in the future. There's a walled city where rich people live and life sort of continues as usual. And the rest, everybody else is sort of <laughs> cast out into the forest. And we see an operative from the walled city being sent into the forest to make sure that there isn't an insurrection cover coming. It was way too big in scope, and I really couldn't follow it very well because there was too many characters. And I know that I complain about seeing supervillains thrown into prisons in costumes and stuff, but it really does help identify characters. And I had trouble remembering who was who and what was going on. It was just maybe a little too big. I can only give it a skimming. Fair. Now, maybe later on we read this and we go, wow, that was amazing. Fair. But for a first issue, I was a little lost. Invincible number 98, Image. This is part one of the death of everyone storyline leading up to issue 100. <laughs> the death of everyone. And Kirkman looks like he's actually holding up <laughs> He's holding up to the hype. Invincible is so good. It's so good. And I don't know what more I can do to tell you that you should be reading it. Yeah, we've said this enough. It's got beautiful art by Ryan Otley. The stakes are very, very real. If you think that the main character can't possibly be hurt or killed... You are wrong. You're way wrong. Somebody else is actually invincible at this point, and the main invincible just doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I'm giving this a huge bite. It's got beautiful art, and I legitimately cannot predict where the series will go, and that's really worth that's something. That's the mark of a good comic. Absolutely. Thunderbolt number one from Marvel. This is the Marvel Now Thunderbolts, and I fully now. expected it to not care at all. Things that's starring... Electra, the Red Hulk, Venom, Venom, uh, Punisher, Punisher, and Deadpool, Deadpool, and it's written by Daniel Way, who I don't love, but I gotta say, it's got all the markings of a piece of. Sh this first issue was fun, and Steve Dillon is drawing it, and I generally complain about Steve Dillon drawing superheroes. He was really good here. That's because this whole issue is only about. Punisher and Hulk. Yes, but it was fun, and I'm legitimately interested. I want to see where it goes. However, I find it hard to believe the Red Hulk goes from being an Avenger to being a Thunderbolt for no damn good reason. Well, it's not the same Thunderbolts. It's not like prisoners. I know, but, but they I... still got the Punisher and Deadpool who are like bad guys. 
Electra, who is a criminal. I have to go on record as saying that I'm not really in love with the whole concept of the uh, heroes deciding they need a murder squad concept. Fair enough. And Remender made it great with X-Force. Yes. We'll see. This book's on a short leash. Rating. What's your rating? Oh, skip it. Okay. Wake the f*** up from Xenoscope. No bones about it. This book is a piece of s***. It was bizarre. This is the return, I guess, of Bill Jemis, who was the controversial publisher, president, whatever, of Marvel early on in Joe Quesada's... Grand Dragon. Grand Dragon. <laughs> he was the Grand Dragon of Marvel. The Grand Dragon of Marvel during <laughs> Joe Quesada's uh, early tenure as EIC. It's not even a comic book. No. It's just a lot of weird text. It's pictures and text. And what's worse, they reuse the same pictures for the second half of the story. Oh, my God. It's awful. It's awful. And I know that they were going for something meaningful. It's completely lost, completely ham-fisted, and very, very, very... Poorly illustrated. I'm giving this as much of a leave it as I can possibly muster in this state. I love Trouble, number one from Image. I didn't expect much from this. It's about a girl who was a sort of con artist criminal that suddenly gets teleportation powers, basically. During, during a plane a, crash. During a plane crash, she discovers she has teleportation powers. But I gotta say, the odd art by Mark A. Robinson and the really good dialogue written by Kel Simmons won me over. I'm interested it, to see where this goes. It's I'm got a very it interesting it. kind of graffiti-ish style, it, it, like Jim food so. or, so. or the guy that draws Chew, that sort of thing. I, I will say that it kind of has a little bit of a weird, like, misogynist bent, like, bitch this, bitch that, well, and that bothers me a little bit. dealing with criminals. She's dealing with criminals. It's true. That's how criminals act. They're bad people. It's they don't true. like women. It's true, but, you know, it's not... I sound like Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> What's the news? <laughs> anyway, it was good. I liked it. Buy it. Scritch. Which is probably close to, like, squirt. Is the, that is your ludicrous speed round, and... Is the sound made when Luther Strode crushes a dude's head like a grape with one hand, as seen in this week's issue of The Legend of Luther Strode, number one. I love my husband. (laughs) Now, join us, please, in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where our friend Dr. Druid has prepared us a classic Hanukkah gefilte fish dinner with a psychoactive twist that will allow us to peer into the future of next week's comics. Not unlike the miracle that kept the menorah lit for eight days and nights. Funny, he doesn't look Druish. <laughs> Just me. Joe Patrick. <clears throat> Joe Patrick, what is your pick for next week? Mm, I am Joe Patrick. My pick for next week is Avengers Arena number one from Marvel Comics, written by Dennis Joe Patrick. Hopeless. Joe Patrick, what is your pick for the fifth night of Hanukkah? Oh, <laughs> my pick is Avengers Arena number one by Dennis Hopeless, with art by Kev Walker. I really hope they kill people in this. Yeah, I, I mean, really hope they do. <laughs> I, I don't have any reason to expect it to be good or groundbreaking. It just sounds like kind of a fun idea but that the, the teen heroes of the Marvel Universe have been kidnapped by Arcade 
sent to Murder World and forced to battle Hunger Games style for survival. And the cover is a direct homage to Battle, battle Royale. Royale. Yeah. And it, they better kill each other. It just sounds kind of fun. I think it's and I'm be excited. Awesome. I'm ready for it to be bad. Like, I have nothing against it and it's hopeless, but I just, the idea of it sounds totally fun. And I'm excited to see if he delivers on the promise. Matt Bomb, tell me what you're going to read next week. My pick for next week is Cable Next Force, number one, a book also written by Dennis Hopeless with art by Salvador LaRocca. This is the X-Team that Havoc and the Uncanny Avengers are trying to track down for terrorist actions. We've got Colossus, Cable, Dr. Nemesis, Domino, and Forge. I love Forge. Some of my favorite X-Men characters. I'm really excited to see where this goes. He's a big Domino And I need to see Colossus returned to normal X status. I don't know what he has to do to come back, but I love Colossus far and away, my favorite X-Man. I want him back as a good guy. I hope this is him making his way back into Marvel's good graces. (laughs) I need it. Good luck. Our trade paperback pick for next week, Star Trek, the newspaper strips, hardcover from IDW by the amazing Ron Harris. Volume 1 includes the first 10 story arcs from the strip's debut on December 2nd, 1979 through October 25th, 1981. These have never been reprinted. I didn't very, even very cool. I didn't even know there was a Star Trek newspaper strip cuz you're not a real Trekkie, sir. <laughs> like this guy. If you were a real Trekkie, you would know they prefer to be called Trekkers. <laughs> be sure to tell us in your face what comics the magic imbibed minced fish force meat has you excited to read next week <laughs> over at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Have you ever had gefilte fish? No. It's horrifying. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> Before we move on, I Joe Patrick. I don't know nothing. Read us some more answers to the question of the week. It's true. He don't know nothing. I don't know nothing. While I'm semi-coherent, I need to say that this was a record-breaking response to the question of the week. Yeah, you guys. Awesome. I'm very, very sorry that we will not get to all of you, so I'm just going to hit some greatest hits. Rich Gallagher writes in. Welcome aboard, Rich. Sure. Welcome aboard, Rich. Blankets. It's sweet. Yes. Uplifting. Holy hell. Sometimes heartbreaking. And the first book I loaned to my wife when we were dating. You got to be in the right mood to read this one, though. For sure, Hero Bear and the Kid is a close second, and I love Hero oh, Bear. Oh, I loved Hero kid. Bear. I totally forgot about Hero Bear and the Kid. I really love Hero Bear oh, and the Kid. It's such a good, excellent good book. choices, Rich. Yeah, we've got one here from our friend John at Burnt Wieners. I know we read his a lot. Yeah, but didn't we just discuss it? We weren't gonna. I know, I know, but there's a reason why I'm reading this. John says. Narrowing the list down to a top 10 is near impossible. I agree. Let alone a single title. So let me throw out a gem from Phil Hester and Mike Huddleston, originally from Oni. Sleeper? No. Oh. When I bought in in, Pardon me, Deep Sleeper. (laughs) Deep Sleeper. No. That I was thinking of. (laughs) But now collected by IDW into a sexy hardcover, The Coffin. Oh, I love The Coffin. It's one of those books that sticks with you. And has you thinking about elements of it long after reading, or at least I did. It's heartbreaking, uplifting, a bit depressing, and all this comes in a tale about a man who has his soul transferred into a robot slash android body. Is he really more in touch with his humanity once he is trapped in this metal coffin than he was alive in a fleshy body? The coffin I, was excellent. Yes, and I read this because... Mike Huddleston. Oh, that guy is talented. Fun fact. He needs to make more money. That guy should be famous. Fun fact. Fun fact. 
I, Joe Patrick, worked with the man. Came up with the idea for no, the coffin, ladies and gentlemen. Almost. <laughs> I worked with the guy that lettered the coffin. Oh, that's right. Gary. Gary. Super sweet guy. That's right. I And he shopped at our store. Gary. Gary Peterson. Gary Peterson. Super sweet guy. While the coffin was being produced, I worked in the mailroom. All he did was bitch about working with Hester. That's not true. <laughs> Phil Hester's the nicest guy in the world. Phil, I'm kidding. <laughs> Phil Hester and Mike Huddleston used to ship the original artwork to the coffin through the mailroom where I worked, and Gary was an employee at that same law firm. Very cool. And... I got to see the coffin being produced as it happened. It's totally rad. I love the coffin, and there's a soft spot in my heart for that book uh, just because I have a very minor connection to it. For the record, Joe Patrick's drinking a Malibu and Diet Coke out of a Skeletor glass, (laughs) and I am drinking a hibernation ale out of a He-Man glass. Yeah, we're totally... uh, (laughs) Listen, I've had a lot of booze. Lambasted! I've had a lot of booze. Ah, Jeff Yargis, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. I think it's pronounced Yarguy. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Faust by David Quinn and Tim Vigil because... (laughs) Really? We remember Faust. I remember Faust. Because it rocked the foundation of comics with his gritty, graphic violence and you know what? hardcore sex. He's not wrong. Combined with a well-written and intelligent script, since TMNT was already listed, that's what he picked. To be fair, I've never read Faust. So I read Faust. If if he loves it, more power to him. It was ultra-violence, ultra-sex. But I will say, like back in the day, there was nothing like that coming <laughs> out. Like... It, I can't say that it was really well written. I'm sorry. I have to I have to disagree with you there. But he definitely pushed the boundary. Brian Seely writes in saying Love and Capes by Tom Zoller. Our old friend Brian Seely. That's right. Originally self-published, but now published by IDW, it's basically superheroes like Superman and Lois or Batman, Wonder Woman. Analogs. Meets romantic comedy, and I agree, Love and Capes is totally cute and lots of fun. You know, I haven't read it, and it's one of those ones that people have yelled at me for not reading. I need to check that one out. Camarillo Brio or Camarillo Brillo. <laughs> Camarillo Brillo. Who is a customer at Legend Comics and Coffee. You know who you are. And he's changed his name for witness for, protection. For purposes. purposes. He says. Had, did he really? Is it witness protection related? No, 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 no. Come on. He know. says, what determines indie? Which is a good question. We answered that at the beginning of the show. Yeah. For instance, Bone was image for a spell. Bone, still indie. Still indie. Image, to me, has a hard time claiming indie anymore. I argue, still indie, because it's all creator-owned. And they pay for that shit, man. you got to pay right. for it up front. That's right. People that, just because they publish through, publish through Image doesn't mean they make any no, money, money whatsoever. No, doesn't mean they're taken care of. It means they foot the bill for those first issues. He says, my vote would be the original Grendel stories. Yes! Uh, Matt Wagner's Grendel. Or the first TMNT. And if we're allowing digital... Uh, something called Masks and Mobsters, which I am not familiar with. I don't know that. Fair enough. Damon Dorsey. Welcome uh, aboard, Damon. He, I should back up. Jared Savitas, who is our friend, said, I love, love, love The Realm, published by Arrow slash Caliber Comics. Early Guy Davis art, which really influenced my own comic artwork. I don't know The Realm. Although I hear Guy doesn't acknowledge his work on the series, but it was about a bunch of young adults who were transported to a very D&D fantasy world. So damn good. I have almost a complete run of single issues in the trades as well. Damon Dorsey, welcome aboard. Damon says, I loved the Realm 2 drive through comics, whatever that is. 
carries them I remember now. Drive- yeah, I know drive through. Eric Roman, welcome aboard. Eric says, Rocketeer, hands down. Yeah. Rick Vanderhyde, Good pick. welcome aboard, Rick. Are you sensing a trend? Yes. So many first-time New responders. Guys. New guys. We love it. Says, how about, how about Mark Schultz's Xenozoic Tales? I loved Xenozoic Tales. Uh, oh, I love that book. And nobody draws dinosaurs like that guy. He goes on to say Linda Medley's Castle Waiting. No relationship to Charles Schultz. No. Both are some <laughs> of my very favorites. Also with you. Story and art. Stop it. I second Usagi Ujimbo, which was Whoa. which was uh, suggested by one of our regulars, yes. which we didn't read, yes. as those were the first graphic novels I collected. I couldn't get enough of the stories. Young Usagi, Space Usagi, etc., etc. Absolutely. Brian Domingos, welcome aboard, Brian, if you have not already written in. Madman, pre-image. Right the f*** on. Pre-image era, Mike Alred doing fun out there stories yes. with colorful pop art. He says the image era stuff got a little too heady. It wasn't as good. It just wasn't as good. For its own good. I have a Madman tattoo. I love Mike Alred. I love Madman. He says, and I totally agree. It got too weird. He says, stick to shooting mutant beatniks with disc guns. Right and on. Tagging that sweetie Joe Lombard for dates in the flying car. Because she was gorgeous. Right on, Brian. Freckles and red hair. Ow. And finally, just because we don't really talk about it on this show, and it deserves mention, Zach Hollowell, our friend who has written in before, says, hate. Peter Baggy's hate. Right on. I was roughly the same age as the character or the creator at that time, and it felt like I knew those people in my social circle. Plus, they called the crotch of pantyhose a scum catcher, <laughs> which is hilarious. Great answers, guys. Good answers. Really good answers. This and, is turning out to be a really fun uh, category. Matt will probably Question. have to cut some of these because yeah. we didn't plan on reading all of them. It's but true. Thank you so, so much for knocking it out of the park once again. I'm sorry if I screwed up any of your names. I am super drunk. It's time once again for you nerds to ask us a question in a little segment we like to call Ask a Nerd. This month, that's the name of the segment, my younger brother, Mikey Baum, writes, Dear Joe, as you know, my brother has a tendency to loudly declare facts that are anything but true. And last week, during an especially embarrassing Nebraska loss to Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship, Matt was talking about Hanukkah, and when I asked him if there were any Jewish heroes, he told me the thing from the Fantastic Four was Jewish. Is this true? And are there other Jewish superheroes and villains out there? Mike, thanks for writing in, even though I know you don't actually listen to this show. I'm not saying a word. (laughs) The thing is, in fact, Jewish. Yes, indeed. And as much as I am prone to point out Matt Baum's errors and factual inaccuracies, it's true. The thing is Jewish. Yes, so was Aunt Petunia. The ever-loving blue-eyed thing. <laughs> Benjamin J. Grimm, the hero, the idol of millions. Aunt Petunia Kozlowski. <laughs> That's not her name. I don't know what it was. Yes, bottom line, Jewish. There are, it turns out, many, many, many... Jewish superheroes, supporting characters, and, for that matter, villains. Joe Patrick, why don't you tell us about some of the heroes and villains that you may or may have not known were Jewish? Here's a list, just a very broad, basic list that I have compiled. Kitty Pride. Kitty Pride. Everybody knows is Jewish. Well-known Jude. Moon Knight. I didn't know Moon Knight. Not practicing. No. He has converted some weird... He's Egyptian probably, religion. He's probably Scientology. He worships Khonshu, the Egyptian moon god. 
but he was raised Jewish. He hates Kanji. He barely gets along. Mark Spector. For very, very obvious reasons. Magneto. Yes. Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch all are Jewish. all Jewish. All Jewish. Ambush Bug, a.k.a. Erwin Schwab. I mean, come on. There it is right there. Jewish. Erwin. Independent icon American flag. Jewish. I did not know that. Neither did I. Didn't know that. JSA veteran. Pre-reboot. Adam Smasher. Pre-boot. What was his name? Albert Rothstein. Yeah, for you. Whoa. Albert Rothstein. Also Al. Clutch from G.I. Joe. Jewish. Probably the only Jewish member. Probably not, but maybe. I can't think of another one. That's because you don't know the not real a, names of any of the G.I. Joe members. Not a lot of G.I. Jews. For uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good night, folks. Spit em bump. Tip your witchesses. <laughs> Uh, Colossal Boy from the Legion of Superheroes. Didn't care. Good news, everybody. A thousand years in the future, the Jewish religion persists. Oh, yeah. We're not going anywhere. We run HBO. We're not going anywhere. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Hebrew box office. <laughs> uh, Dr. Leonard Sampson from the Incredible Hulk. Jewish. Knew that. Also from Marvel, Dominic Fortune. Real name, Dominic Fortunov. Jewish. Russian Jew, which means he's a hairy guy. Maybe not. They're hairy people. He's not necessarily Russian. Really? Fortunov? What do you think? He's Italian? Look, I don't know things. (laughs) Phil Hester's fire breather. Half Jewish. Half weird dragon religion. Certainly not the Fing Fang Foom side. (laughs) Or whatever the His last name is Rosenblatt. Yeah. Firestorm, the Martin Stein half. (laughs) He's he's half Jewish. So really we can say Martin Stein is, (laughs) or Firestorm is half Jewish. Gargamel from the Smurfs. Jew. Stop it! I mean, look at it. Come on. You told, and he had a cat named Azrael, yeah, also Jewish. It's true. Sasquatch, Walter Langowski. Walter Langowski. Songbird from Thunderbolts, Jewish. Two-Gun Kid, proving that the even two in the- Two-Gun Kid was only, Jewish? Even in the Old West, they were Jews. Oh, that's great. The Two-Gun Kid. Willow from Buffy, obviously. Of course. Willow Rosenberg. Batwoman, Kate Kane, yes. Jewish. Katie Kane. Little known facts. Jew. Legion. From the X-Men universe. Yep. Chuck Xavier's kid. Chuck Xavier's kid. Chuck Xavier's kid. His mom was Gabrielle Haller, also Jewish. And finally, I couldn't end it with anybody other than Vance Astrovic, a.k.a. Vance Astrovic is Jewish? A.k.a. Marvel Boy, a.k.a. Justice, from the New Warriors, later the Avengers, erstwhile fiancé slash estranged boyfriend of Firestar. Totes Jewish. What's his real name? Vance Astrovic. This just doesn't sound good. It was shorted at. It was shorted to Vance Astro in the future when right, he was right, Guardians right. of the Galaxy. Yes, yeah. I had no idea. Jewish. <laughs> I didn't know. So there is your semi-complete list of Jewish superheroes. Some A list, some B list, some D list. <laughs> if <add>. even. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for the question, Mikey. And if you have a question for the Two-Headed Nerd, send it to us via email at twoheadednerd at gmail.com with the subject line, Ask a Nerd. You know how it works. Get it done. Sort of of, break it 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 down like this. And that is it for the first Drunk Chanaka THN Holiday Special. Thank you. The baby Jesus. <laughs> if two drunk nerds celebrating an ancient custom they barely understand is your idea of holiday fun, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes where, if you want to prove your THN love, you can take your top off and leave us a star rating and written review and help us get into the iTunes top 10. 
huge thanks to all of our donors. And if you'd like to help keep us in gelt and matzo balls, you can make your donation in any amount at the new and improved to nerd.com, where you can also contact us about sponsorship information. That's right. We're for real now, That's folks. right. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email to editornergmail.com where you can send us your love slash hate mail or the comic you'd like us to review. And don't forget to check out all the new content from the THN Love Slaves at TwoHeadedNerd.com including a tear-jerking piece by Keith Silva and the new Slave Revolt blog where Silva, TD Dubs, and King of Asker and Aaron Myers dare to host a roundtable comic discussion full of opinions that we did not write for them. The nerve! Also, check out Girl Meets Nerd, where this week, my and Joe's wives will be decorating Christmas cookies based on two comic book characters we chose for them during their annual cookie party. Casey, tell me who you had to do. I had to do um, Disco Nightwing, and Michelle had to do Vagina. Dazzler. Vagina Dazzler. Not vagina anything. What? Dazzler. Oh, can't do Dazzler. There's a lot of glitter involved. My wife is completely wasted. I am and so when I say Disco wasted. Nightwing, I mean the 1980s George the Perez. The George Perez oh, Nightwing. My Nightwing, Nightwing had a, a heat. I made him have an afro. <laughs> we will have that all posted, pics included, at toitanerd.com on Monday. And remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the Question of the Week discussion. And if you want to hear our answers, be sure to check out the THN.com, that is TwoHeadedNerd.com, exclusive web, the TwoHeadedNerd.com web exclusive. Spit it out, Joe Patrick. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> NSFW audio blog, the answer of the week. Next week, those black, bad, ironclad, always mad motherfuckers. The comic pushers are back, forcing comics down one poor comic junkie's throat. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to the amazing Jewish jazz pianist Dave Brubeck, who passed away this week at the age of 91. Word to you, Mr. Brubeck. And until next time, true believers, this is a two-headed nerd saying Mazel Tov. We are never doing this again. I think it's Mazel Tov, not Mazel Tov. Mazel <laughs> My shook so wife. This is the two-headed nerd. Signing off. Happy Hanukkah. I hate you for making me do this. What a fine looking Jew. You don't have to deck the halls with jingle bell rock. Cause you can spin a dreidel with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. Both Jewish. Put on your yarmulke. Simpson, not a Jew.